Welcome back, everybody. We uh, we had a, a nice little week last week with that terrific interview that, uh, uh-huh. that Tim did. Uh, re- that that resurrected interview from a few years ago with uh, with with Neil and uh, and the boys about their about their film. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Abu, uh, funny, funny how yeah, things how things come up around. around. <laughs> it's just so funny. But in the meantime, uh, you know, I had uh, I had a hell of a day uh, about a week ago where uh uh it was just it was just a generally kind of a down day you know a lot of bad news from people and i'm sitting there at night watching milan with my daughter and my wife my daughter's been looking forward to disney's live action milan and right in the damn middle of the movie i get a little text on my phone chadwick boseman dead oh my gosh and i i i had to leave the room because i started to cry i actually physically started to cry um uh you know that just came like a bolt from the from the blue and then you spent a whole day doing radio and television i think uh talking about him yeah Um, yeah out of of nowhere out of nowhere tim talk about it uh well you know well chadwick first of all um it's funny if you've been at this as long as you and i have been at this way every now and again uh we get to see uh an actor's uh, director an actor's entire career happen the whole thing uh, we, you know, there, there's a moment where there is no Chadwick Boseman. Uh, it's, it, it, and then suddenly there's this guy called Chadwick Boseman. I know. And everybody's talking about it. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and that moment for him was, was 42. But if you had been paying attention a little bit before that, um, uh, you know, I, 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 I caught Chadwick Boseman. He caught my eye. A couple of movies. Uh, uh, played Floyd Little in that movie, uh, The Express. Yeah. Uh, uh, really, good in that, really good in that movie. Caught my eye in that movie. Um, his, his, his first professional acting job, All My Children, 2003, uh, and I talked about this on the radio, he got fired from that job, Chadwick Boseman, mm-hmm. got fired. Because <laughs> he, he went to the producers and he's like, look, you know, the, this, guy, this guy you got me playing, you know, he's, a, he's an amalgamation of a bunch of black stereotypes and, you know, we need to complicate this guy. We need to do something with this guy. And, you know, and they, they pushed it around a little bit, but ultimately he was a bit too much trouble, so they fired him. Hired Michael B. Jordan, <laughs> I think that's so funny. Utterly out. It's so funny uh, to pick up where that role is. But it said something about Chadwick, the, the kind of career that he wanted to have, the kind of folks that he wanted to play. And once he got that part, uh, 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 once he got that part in 42, he played nothing but heroes from that point forward. Yeah. Uh, in, one, in one way or another. And, uh, uh, and in that short, 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 short career, man uh, just blazed a path, didn't he? Uh, right through T'Challa and in uh, Black Panther, um, I had a moment, uh, and, I, and I know you read that Ryan Coogler piece that I want oh, you to talk about. But I had beautiful. a moment where I went and I saw Chadwick give the commencement address at Howard University, his alma mater, uh, where he took a directing degree, by the way, not acting, directing degree, uh, and he gave the commencement uh, speech in 2018. They gave him an honorary doctorate, and he was standing there in 2018. This is two years after that diagnosis. Yeah. Uh, and he's doing the Black Panther campaign. He looks fantastic. Uh, and he looks strong. And he gave this absolutely fant- funny, but extremely exhilarating, inspiring commencement speech to his, to his fellow Howard University grads. And I think about him standing there two years into that diagnosis. You, you know, you know, you know, yeah. way, you know, my wife and Bridget yeah. and, and, and so many people in your family. So we know this intimately. Yeah. Um, um, uh, and, uh, I, I, anyway, anyway, you said it before, that's a hero. 
he, I mean, it, the thing, you know, we look back now and it's, it's how we're now rewriting things in our head. And we're, you know, you, you look back, for example, this clip that's been circulating of him on the, uh, the Black Panther tour where he talks about meeting a couple of kids with cancer. And he sits there with all his castmates and he, and he, and he chokes up and he breaks down. And you look back on that, and you're like, of course he is, because he's he he just got his you know he's had his diagnosis for two years right there. Yeah, he's two years in, he's probably one or two surgeries in. He's he's been on chemo. Yeah, um, and no one knew. Um, and you know that's the thing. And Kugler even says we didn't know. Nobody knew. He kept it private. He kept it quiet. Um, and you gotta wonder. Okay, so. I mean, the first thing is to to get a diagnosis like that and then to double down on your career. Most people would say, better put the career on pause. I got to step away. I got I to focus on my cure. I got to focus on my health, on my illness. He got the diagnosis and he turned it up. Yeah. He turned it up and he made four Marvel films. Those are big movies. That's not, that's not a Woody Allen movie. That's not walk and talk. That's work. Those are... That's work. Those are physical, demanding films. Even when the stuntman is wearing your outfit and doing the stunts, there are close-ups. There are other scenes where you are physically involved and you still, you know, you, you got to cut away to the stunts, but you got to cut away from something. And the something you cut away from is physically demanding. And he made four of those big movies, those long schedule movies, those traveling movies on planes. I mean, and then to balance that out with cancer treatment and and surgeries and to keep your physical condition up because he's buff in those movies. Yeah. Your body's working extra hard to build and maintain that muscle um, is is astonishing. I mean, that that's a work ethic that I am suddenly awed by. I'm just I, it's it inspires me and it makes me sad, so sad at the same time. But. The Kugler piece, what's so beautiful about that is that Kugler says, we didn't know, but I'll tell you, I, th he says, I didn't know if I was making a good movie, but Chadwick did. And uh, that says a great deal, too, about how much of those movies rely on him, on, mm -hmm. on that character, on what he brought, that the energy he brought as an actor carried those movies. Sometimes it's the energy of the director. Sometimes the energy the director has to put everybody on, their sh on his shoulders or her shoulders and carry the movie. In this case, Chadwick put the director and the production on his shoulders. Chadwick made those movies. Yeah. And so, you know, there's this piece that ran the other day that Disney's now trying to figure out what to do, you know, going forward because they had uh, they had Black Panther 2 all kind of planned and ready to go. And you know what? My advice don't don't uh, it's not he, like it's not like those Batmans. I know we've no, what if we have no. like four or five Batmans he, now or whatever. Nobody died. Let him. Um, uh, he, it, he um, owns um, that character. It's not like it's not like those. Uh, I think we've had. I think I think we've had two or three um, uh, um, uh, Deadpool's. Of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's not no, like it's a different no, circumstance. He, he he owns that character. Let him own it. Retire that jersey. And somebody else brought up something to me too, which is, you know what? His sister was introduced in the movies and in the comics, she becomes a Black Panther at, at yeah. a certain point. Yeah. So, no, you know what? Take it in that direction if you got to. Take, oh, if, if, he if, would if, love if, that. He would yeah. love that. Uh, I, I, I know that he would as, as the sort of gentleman. I, I know that he would, he would love that. Look, if you're a noted actor, you, you don't want to go anywhere near that. Yeah. 
Um, you know, if you're if you're if, if you're an already established noted, you know, Will Smith. I don't know who it would be. I'm you know pulling names out of my butt, but you know what I mean. Wesley yeah. Snipes. You don't want to go anywhere near that. No. Uh, if you're an up and comer, uh, the 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 weight of that, the criticism will be so the comparisons. You know what I mean? That's all yeah. you'll ever yeah. have. You'll have to deal with that. So so it's the sort of thing of where no, you're gonna have to let that go for a while now. And yeah. making that pivot that somebody suggested that you just suggested. That's just about the only way to get that gun, and I do want to, and I do because I want to, I want to see the people from that part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and you know, all yeah. the other characters you see, the Nyango's character and the Niger yeah. and all of that. I do want to continue to see those characters sure. in this Marvel Cinematic Universe, but that's the way you get there. So yeah. I, I hope that they're sharp enough to to pick up on that notion. I I hope so too. I mean, I know they were going to go with the, you know, they were going to pivot to the female Thor angle soon, which. I, I would recommend they not do because that's one of the dumbest things they've ever done in the comics, and and uh, I, I I can't imagine that working in the movies, especially yeah. if they try to do it with Natalie Portman. It's not going to work. But yeah. um, yeah. but to do it with the Black Panther because it is a hereditary role, right? You know, mm -hmm. his dad was the Black Panther, and he was, and go to the sister. It's you know the 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 idea of the hereditary hero and heroine that makes sense so I, I certainly hope they do that and i hope they leave that character alone and retire that jersey because it it should belong to him so very very sad day uh loss of an amazing talent in his prime it's like a james dean bruce yeah. lee level tragedy oh. and um you know he he was in many respects he was he was like brando and uh and meryl streep all rolled into one right he had that chameleon like ability to just fold himself into a part well, here we have Thurgood Marshall and some of the other roles doing James Brown. James uh, Brown. Yeah, here, here we have another situation where, um, uh, you know, for the better or for the worst of it, uh, he will live uh, youthfully uh, in yeah. our in, in the zeitgeist, in our minds, in our hearts forever. He'll always be young, yeah. beautiful, like Marilyn, like James, and he'll always be child. Uh, forever young, forever yeah. young. Well, uh, in other news, before we get uh, down onto some titles, um, uh, we were all excited to see the teaser come out of uh, England on uh, for the the Batman Matt's film. I was very excited to see it. I'd like to believe that uh, it was my performance in uh, in Nightwork, <laughs> his first USC short, that inspired Batman because I was really good as a cat burglar. So uh, I, I'd like to believe that it was my performance way back when to, to oh, inspire well. this, but of course we know it wasn't. Uh, nonetheless. Pattinson just came down with COVID, so it's shut down again, and I think that's distressing. Yeah, um, and that's—I mean—and dude, how did it look on the on the in, in the production? Okay, fine, you know, some 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 lighting guys, some, some okay, but Pattinson, I know the star. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck are you guys doing over there? I, I, I it's a good question. I, I, I don't know. Uh, that, that's that's a weird one. Like like literally, Batman came down with COVID. I, I don't know. He's young, he's healthy, he's gonna be fine. But uh, but but I just don't understand what the hell. What kind of a yeah. bubble is that? What kind of a bubble is that? That's a crappy bubble. It it is a, it's a crappy bubble. Uh, and then even weirder. Now that movie's not gonna get canceled. There's no conceivable way Warner Brothers is pulling the plug on that. But Amazon just pulled the plug on their Cortez miniseries with uh, uh, that had been written by Steve Zalian years ago. Spielberg producing. Uh, Javier Bardem was going to star as Cortez, and they just killed the whole thing. And that thing shot a few days before the pandemic really hit, and then they, you know, suspended it. And it feels to me now like they're just saying, okay, you know, let's just save the money. It's not worth really revisiting. Uh, yeah. That makes me sad, but I, I hope that thing resurrects somewhere because that's a really, really good project. 
Well, you gotta if you look if you're gonna if you're gonna if a production is gonna incur the expenses that it costs to shoot during this pandemic, everything is what do they say? It's you know triple it's tripling up the costs, is what I've heard some people say. Right. Yeah. Um. Uh. And uh, you have to know that you're making something that's gonna have a real serious return on it. Now we already know we're not gonna get box office returns, relatively speaking. Right. Although Tenet is doing fantastic in Europe. It is made fifty million dollars during yeah. a pandemic. That's amazing. Yeah. Decent numbers, decent, decent numbers, and you know the spotty uh, all around here in the United States. But of course, we're not even open yet here in the uh, true here in Southern California. Um, but you got to know uh, that you're going to have going to be able to get that money back. Uh, so, yeah. so those those receipts those have to you know have to justify the cost. That Cortez movie, even with Javier Bardem, uh, hmm, I don't true. know. I don't know. True. It's true. I mean, I want to see it, but yeah, five, five hours of uh, of location jungle shooting in Central America. Yeah, it's a uh, that's that's Werner Herzog territory there. Buddy. Yeah, and all all, <laughs> and all and all all you stand to win is an Emmy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Good point. Yeah, there you go, baby. Well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna dive into some sh- into some uh, product here, some discs. We got uh, got a bunch of 4K stuff this week, and we're giving away four of them. So the one we're not giving away is uh, the DC Universe movie Superman, Man of Tomorrow. And the 4K DC Universe stuff is actually pretty fun. Uh, it's always really well conceived. I wish it were better animated. I kind of, you know, the scripts of these things really have gotten to a really fine-tuned place where I, I wish that they spent a little bit more time making the animation up to par with, with everything else. But nonetheless, still good stuff. Um and the Superman animated stuff has, has never been particularly brilliant, but this one's pretty good. Uh, it's really very, very traditional Superman stuff. It's got Lobo in it. Um, Parasite, the, uh, the, the alien villain, is, is, is you know, on, on call as well. I mean, it's, it's a lot of really fun traditional stuff uh, with Superman and uh, all kind of set in a in a futuristic environment that, that contrasts kind of nicely with the, uh, the traditional Superman. So I, uh, yeah, if you've been collecting these DC universe movies, uh, this is a good 4k. And then Warner brothers has given us four other absolutely sweet 4ks and we are giving away one of each. So I'm going to take them one at a time. Send us an email. All these emails have to go to gods at digigods.com or gods at cinegods.com. And name and address in the body of the email, and make sure we get these by September 20th. I'm going to push this way out because a lot of people are having a hard time kind of catching up on a lot of the shows. So September 20th is the drop-dead date by which we have to get these. And if you're a winner, we'll let you know the evening of September 21st. So September 20th is the drop-dead date. September 21st, we'll send you an email if you're a winner. And uh, send it to gods at digigods.com or gods at cinegods.com. The first one is 4K of the Goonies. And with Stranger Things 4 coming up, the Goonies is getting all kinds of attention again because it's kind of uh, one of the movies that inspired it. Tim, how how fondly do you remember the Goonies? Uh, Deeply and most profoundly. Of course, I was an adult when the Goonies came out. That shows you what a goofy goofy 20-something-year-old I happen to be. Uh, but, but yeah, and then and then when you know when Stranger Things happens, I'm looking at I'm looking at Stranger Things, and I'm just thinking, "Hey, stay out of my childhood!" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is going on here? But they but it, but it's really amazing how well they now. One of our good friend Sherman Augustus uh, uh, has a role in Stranger Things, which is going to start shooting here. 
yep. the end of the month. So we're looking forward to Stranger Things coming back. But man, they really nailed Stranger Things. If you want to know how well they, they nailed, it, watch the Goonies. Oh. Well, if, if you want to win this, send that email and put Goonies in the subject line. Uh, Goonies looks great on 4K. It looks absolutely terrific. Richard Donner, of course, directed this, who directed the original Superman, many episodes of Gilligan's Island, the Lethal Weapon films, uh, Lady Hawk. I mean, he was the man in the 80s. Donner was one of those top-tier directors. And, uh, you know, it's it's kids on an, uh, an absolutely Spielbergian adventure. Spielberg produced it, and uh, it's still a really fun film. I think I like it more now than I did even at the time. It's absolutely kind of amazing how this film has really, really aged well. And uh, it has a screenplay by Chris Columbus. So yeah. go figure. I, I normally don't like his screenplays, but there it is. Uh, the next one, send us an email with the word in the subject line, Beetlejuice. B-E-E-T-L-E-J-U-I-C-E. -E -E. Beetlejuice, also on 4K. Uh, we're going to give one of these away. Michael Keaton and Tim Burton mixing it up again. After, uh, it wasn't after Batman. It was before Batman, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Beetlejuice before, before Batman. Batman. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting all my, my 80s chronology. This was 88, so Batman was after this. That's why. That's why. Yeah, you know what? Uh, really, speaking about Stranger Things, you know, Winona Ryder. This is the movie that kind of made her a, uh, a genre icon. Um, Beetlejuice also absolutely perfect 4K transfer. It looks absolutely deliriously great. Uh, these all have movies anywhere codes on them, so you can add them as well. Um, you know, not necessarily loaded with extras, but, uh, you know, it's got like some, some Beetlejuice animated TV episodes on it and theatrical trailer. Uh, that animated show was never very great. But the movie, still really, really fun. And then the last two, okay. If you, we're, we're, we're going to send, uh, one person is going to get both of these because it wouldn't make sense to make people choose. So we're going to give one very, very lucky person both Sherlock Holmes and Sherlock Holmes Game of Shadows. Send the email to godsdigigods.com or godsdcinegods.com with Sherlock. Sherlock in the, uh, the subject line. Um, so these Guy Ritchie directed uh, Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes films look uh, uh, better than they did projected. I still think there are problems with the way these movies were shot. I think a lot of that has to do with the digital effects. Mm -hmm. They're they're not going to look as brilliant as I think most people would expect a 4K to look. Still look really good, but again, you, you can't fix in post and in digital what was broken when you shot the movie. That said, Tim, how do you feel about the uh, the Sherlock Holmes movies? Well, the thing about those Sherlock Holmes movies, both of them, they're both, at the end of the day, Guy Ritchie films. That, uh, yeah. That's what they are. They're Guy Ritchie films. Now, yeah. uh, are they about Sherlock Holmes? Is he solving? All these, oh, sure, all of that is in there. But they are the same as Snatch. Yeah. Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. They're yeah. Guy Ritchie films more yes, than they, they are. are Sherlock Holmes films. And I think I, you know, I, I, I like Sherlock Holmes uh, all by itself. I am a huge Sherlock Holmes fan. I read all the books as a kid, all the stories. Uh, this, of course, has next to nothing to do with any of it. They, yep. These are trying to be action films. They want to turn Sherlock Holmes into an action hero, playing off of Robert Downey Jr. being Iron Man, try to give him another franchise. I've heard rumor that they think they can do another one of these movies. Um, I certainly hope they don't. I think Game of Shadows was a mess. Game of yeah. Shadows is like the Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull of this franchise. But <laughs> the, really, it truly was. It just it was like nobody cared at that point. They were just phoning it in. 
but you know, despite my reservations, I really thought that there was a lot of fun stuff in uh, in the first one. I uh, it has a featurette on it where they talk to Robert Downey Jr. and and uh, it, you know it's a standard stuff. Guy Ritchie and Robert Downey Jr. talking about reinventing it, and it's fine. Um, you know, it's not brilliant or anything, but uh, I there is if you don't sort of compare this to other Sherlock Holmes, I think there is something to the casting of. Of Robert Downey Jr. and Jude and, Law and Jude Law, you know, look, they gave yeah. you know, they rehabilitate uh, Watson. They allowed Jude Law to rehabilitate Watson from this sort of silly Watson that had, you know. That, that, yeah, that and, and, and and truly, there's like nothing that. there's nothing more unusual about the reinvention here than what we get on television in Elementary. Yeah, yeah Elementary or the or that Benedict Cumberbatch thing. Um, That's um, it. Uh, yeah, hey, like I said, Guy Ritchie films. Now, yeah. I, I like Guy. I say that like I don't like Guy Ritchie films. I like Guy Ritchie films. Yeah, Guy Ritchie has been making Guy Ritchie films uh, for twenty years. Now. <laughs> <laughs> you yes, know, and, and, and they're all Guy Ritchie films. Uh, so it's it's a you know it's a certain sort of box. It's 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 a it's a fun box, but it's a box. And I want to make mention of something too. So there's there's also uh, we haven't done a music segment in a while. I got a lot of music kind of piled up, but this is uh, it, this is one that uh, I don't have a track. I would have loved to kind of uh, launch the show on one of the tracks, but we only got them digitally in a way that I can't really access them for the show. But did you know Deep Purple is still cutting albums? Hell no. Yes. <laughs> Go Deep Purple. Deep Purple just came out with a new album. And it's, out on a D- it's out on a CD-DVD combo, and you can get it. It's from, uh, it's from uh, Ear Music and Eagle Vision. Uh, it, uh, but yeah, from Ear Music, it is whoosh. W h o o s h exclamation point whoosh! Um, it's uh, it's really not bad. It's it still sounds like they re- they made it in 1970. I kid you not. It's you're you're like, this sounds like stuff they were doing in 1970. It's got exactly the same guitar riffs and you yeah. know it's just it's just much more cleanly produced because it's digital. But yeah. there's, a, there's a number of really really cool tracks on it and uh, it's it's worth checking out. I would I would recommend people do it. What's funny is when they sent me all the promotional stuff for it, they got a picture of the band. Sitting there in one of those, you know, rock poses that bands <laughs> used to do back in the seventies when they'd stand around looking all cool, uh, and they got the same hair and the same pose and the same clothes, except they are wrinkly and gray. <laughs> and just wrinkly and gray. And, hey, uh, uh, Deep Purple, nineteen sixty-eight. That's you know, that's a long time. Anyway, uh, so I, I I was surprised, but you know what? I love Deep Purple, and uh, uh, good go, guys. I I can't believe it. You know, you've outlasted. A lot, a lot of, a lot of bands in that time. So good on you. So uh, we got a ton of TV. Before I get into the TV, also we have one criterion this week that I should make mention of. By the way, uh, and, and you know this from our exchange and emails earlier. A uh, ton of Albert Brooks films. All the great Albert Brooks films <laughs> on Criterion Channel, uh, including uh, Mother, which I watched again last night, just because it's so unbelievably funny. That exchange early on when Debbie Reynolds says, "I love you." And then he says, I know you think you do. <laughs> I that I just sat there and I I just laughed myself almost into a coma. Almost oh. into a coma. Oh. I know you think you do. Albert Brooks. So it, was, great. it was a really interesting conversation. Wade, me and our, our buddy Wade Green and Mark, of course, Mark. Yeah. Uh, uh, talking about Albert Brooks and, and his presence uh, in movies. Yeah. Particularly, a, a particular way in which he brings comedy to the best. It's just, oh, it's just great. Oh, man. Well, okay. cri- uh, Criterion on Disc has Jean Renoir's Tony out this week. 
Uh, and this is a 1935 film that may not even be terribly well known to a lot of uh, Renoir fans, but you you really really do have to check this out. I mean, it is uh, it is a beautiful, beautiful, powerful film. Uh, Renoir was one of the few filmmakers in the 1930s who was really really pushing the artistic envelope in ways that others were not. And uh, this is based on a true story. And it's set in, a, in an immigrant community, an immigrant working class community in the south of France. And uh, it deals with uh, affairs. Let's just say it deals with affairs and how that, uh, how that leads to a sort of Shakespearean chain of events. It's really, it's really a sharp film, uh, very, very powerful. And shockingly for the era, this is the kind of thing I would have expected more from the 50s. You know, he was very much ahead of his time. So... Uh, Renoir, the uh, the great filmmaker and son of the great painter, really, really knocked one out of the park in 1935 and is little known perhaps only because some of his other films are more well-known. But Tony, T-O-N-I, by Jean Renoir on Blu-ray from Criterion, uh, loaded with some wonderful, wonderful extras, including an audio commentary originally recorded in 2006 with uh, two film scholars, Kent Jones and Philip Lopate. And um, it also has a really, really interesting 1967 episode of Cineas de Notre Temps, which is all about Renoir, uh, that was directed by Jacques Rivette, the great uh, French New Wave filmmaker. Um, and uh, it's, it's very interesting. It's really, really interesting. You'll learn a lot here, and I certainly did as well. So Tony from Criterion. Uh, so let's get into the uh, let's get into some television. We got a giant pile of it here. Tim, anything that jumps out at you? Well, let's start at the top. Eureka! This wacky little series. I, it surprises me that this series ran five five seasons. So we have a complete series of Eureka. I liked Eureka because it reminded me of Northern Exposure in a oh, certain it does kind of yeah. It was sort of set in the Northwest. Northern Exposure set in Alaska. And anyway, anyway, this guy is the sheriff of the town. And the government has taking all of these sort of super scientists from all over the world. And they have these guys here and they're, they're doing all these sort of wacky inventions and stuff that's going wrong just about all the time. And it was just really, really, really funny to me. Plus, I love that Sally Richardson uh, is in uh, Eureka, uh, along with Colin Ferguson. Uh, five complete seasons. Anything uh, interesting in that, in, that, in that box set there, Wade? You know, uh, not not overly by way of extras. They got some commentary tracks and deleted scenes, gag reels, webisodes, featurettes. That's really all that's here. I mean, it's just kind of a standard array of stuff. But it is a, it is a cute show. And, uh, uh, you know, 12 discs in a nice slimline set. Uh, worth worth checking out. You know, we got a couple of original Shudder movies here. Shudder has really been doing some interesting work. Uh, stuff goes on. You watch it. These are Shutter originals, and then they put them to disc, and they're it's a, it's a model of putting stuff that you air, and you kind of generate a lot of buzz uh, on television, and then you go to disc, and the disc winds up doing in many cases better than what it did actually on television. It's kind of the inverse of the way this thing used to work, but they're making some really really interesting original horror films, uh, low budget horror stuff that is that rivals anything that would go, normally go straight to theatrical. It's an interesting new model for horror filmmakers. And Z is pretty great. Um, Z, uh, uh, with the tagline, Z wants to play, is, is really, really cool. <laughs> this, is, this is a horror film that goes where I've never seen a horror film go before. The Imaginary Friend. Hmm. I mean, yes, we've had, you know, I see dead people and things like that. But never quite in the, in the traditional, I have an imaginary friend. Oh, of course you do, uh, sweetheart. The little boy 
who, you know, brings home his imaginary friend, and the friend is named Z. That should have been your first giveaway. Yeah. Little boys name their imaginary friends things like Harvey, Freddy, <laughs> um, uh, Annie, uh, you know, cute names. If your imaginary, your child's imaginary friend is just named Z, there's mm. something wrong. Yeah. Something wrong. Get out of that house. Go somewhere. <laughs> uh, hire, hire an exorcist, whatever you're going to do. Um, mm. Anyway, then, of course, you know, things start going haywire and it's starting the kid starts to have like a Damien personality and uh, blames Z for what he's doing. Anyway, it all goes south as it has to. And uh, uh, ooh, it, it goes into some really creepy, dark places. It's very cool. Uh, the other Shutter original is just a good straight up gore fest. Not really my kind of thing, but I know people like this. It's called uh, Blood Quantum with the with the the unbelievably timely tagline when the dead rise only the immune survive <laughs> I'm kind of feeling like yeah i think we're just about there with with covid uh but uh this is um this is a zombie movie and it has to do with um uh immunity to the zombie plague who's immune and who is not and uh you know that obviously changes the risk and it's all very kind of frontier oriented in this uh this uh indigenous community uh in canada um this canadian independent film and uh you know it, it's it's got it's it's a cool little kind of low budgety thing so um you know it, it's not it doesn't transcend the, the zombie genre but in if you're kind of mixing uh, sort of, um, and they don't call them Native Americans. They call them uh, First Nations. First, First Nations, yes. First Nations. Yes. So in Canadian parlance, it's kind of mixing uh, First Nations culture and mysticism with zombie, with zombie movie stuff. It's all right. It's all right. It's not bad. Not my, not my thing. But uh, it is, it is a nice addition to the corpus. Blood Quantum mm. and Z, both Shutter originals. Uh. But, uh, back over on back over back over on TV, Blue Bloods, dude. The tenth season of Blue Bloods. Get out of here. And Tom and Tom and Tom still looks the same as he did in in Magnum PI forty years ago. It's just it's just it's just it's just nuts, you know. Uh, but you know, it's 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 one of those things with those shows, and there are a lot of those you know Chicago shows, those blue shows uh, that are on. This is uh, the tenth uh, season of Blue Bloods. Blue Bloods. Uh, Donnie Wahlberg and Bridget Moynihan and, and, and that whole little family there in Chicago. Um, so 10th season away, uh, anything in particular special? Tons. Yeah, there's a 200th episode uh, celebration thing on here. Uh, and then thing called, a little featurette called Dinner with the Reagans and some deleted scenes. But it's the 200th episode celebration that's really nice because it, it does sort of reemphasize that, yes, it's, it's, they, they've been on for 10 years and you, you really kind of have to tip your hat to it. It is tough to keep any show um fresh for a decade you know you really need a hook and um boy i'll tell you you know uh magnum pi went for what about 12 years yeah i mean tom tom Selleck, you know normally you would say oh he he did it he's, he's been there he's done that he's had his successful show 12 years you're never going to become you're never going to get another magnum you're you're too old now you know you did magnum to death now you're kind of out past your prime son of a bitch man he look at yep. this he, he did it again, and and, and, and and there's no 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 end in sight. They can do this another four or five years. Look, Tom, Tom, Tom. Uh, there was a moment there where uh, trying to make it from television to film was kind of like a big deal. Doesn't not 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 much of a big deal anymore. Folks go back and forth between film and television all the time. Uh, now, in some ways, getting to television from film is the thing that uh, that actors are trying to do. But Tom had that chore 
uh, of what he had to make it from being this huge, iconic, but nevertheless stamped Magnum P.I. into movies. And he had that little run in movies, uh, Quickly Down Under, uh, that, that baseball movie he did uh, where he was a, you know, a baseball player in Japan and a few others. Uh, 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 and all of that kind of stuff, and then and then and then sort of you know whatever, and then rekindled his career with that run on Friends, playing Monica's boyfriend. That's uh, right. Yes, he did. That's right. So here comes Tom Selleck again, and that just led him right up into this into this uh, decade of Blue Bloods run. So Tom has been a fixture on American television and American cinema and television for about forty for about forty five years now. Yeah. Uh, not to mention when he's on television selling those, uh, whatever he sells something on television. I forget what. Yeah, uh, he, he sell, well, re reverse mortgages, uh, he hearing aids, uh, <laughs> colostomy bags. I don't know what it is, but I, I feel old. You gotta and love there, those guys. Do there was one day. There was truly. There was one day when I remember I was watching. I was watching TV, and at the end of the day, I said to myself, "I said, if today I just try." Jonathan Hart just tried to sell me a reverse mortgage. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Captain Kirk just tried to sell me like a, a CPAP cleaner. The Fonz just tried to sell me um, gold. Steve Austin just tried to sell me hearing aids. Oh. Now I'm totally depressed. Oh. Now I feel old for the first time. That is wrong. Yeah, particularly wrong. if I haven't actually need any of those things. Uh, which is so, like, oh. oh, totally. So so we got here. I'm gonna I'm gonna put everyone's mind at ease really quickly. We have uh, from the DC television multiverse, the Arrowverse. We have the complete fifth season of Supergirl, mm. complete sixth season of The Flash, and the complete first season of Batwoman. Oh. Now I know what you're thinking. Everybody's thinking, what I really want is uh, I really want the 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 epic five part um, uh, crossover. Oh, that whole that whole multiverse. Yeah, they. I want the. I want. I want that epic five uh, episode crossover between all the shows to be on just one set. I don't want to have to buy like all uh, this season of all. You don't have to. This is what they've done really, really well. They have that on the the complete five episode arc on each of these seasons. So just buy whatever season you like for whatever show you like. Boom. You will get the other four episodes folded in. It'll be all good. You're that good. is so good and so not greedy. Thank you very much. I appreciate that from them, and and that that five episode arc is 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 pretty great. Uh, it is basically the um, the DC television equivalent of the Avengers uh, Endgame, Avengers, uh, you know the la the la it, that whole Thanos arc. Um, it's that. For television with these characters, and I really appreciate that. Now, Tim, we're we're Supergirl fans. How do you feel about Supergirl's new uh, kind of more muscular and chaste uniform? No more miniskirt. Yeah, pants. <laughs> She's yeah. wearing pants. It's kind of like a pants. Hey, um, <clears throat> I look. Um, I've been uh, watching Supergirl fly around in that miniskirt for uh, you know yeah, uh, forty five years. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I, I'm good if she wants to put on a pair of pants. You, 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 do your thing, sister. I'm, I'm I made I made I, but but so long as they don't they didn't make it into like a thing, right? It wasn't like yeah. sort of a feminist statement. Sometimes, yeah. and besides that, she's wearing the hell out of those pants. So so, so 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 I got no I got no problem with your thing. Do your thing, sis. I'm okay because but only because Wonder Woman is now out there yeah. wearing her traditional outfit. So it's okay. Yeah. As long as Wonder Woman doesn't lose the skirt, I'm good. 
Just don't be hating on it. And the other thing about that, particularly in that in that uh, in, in our Supergirl, Kara, you know, when she's not being Supergirl, yeah, Kara has the most fantastic wardrobe on television. Uh, uh, you know, as as uh, uh, you know, that reporter for uh, yeah, the, 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 and and so she so Kara looks fantastic anyway uh, in yeah. all of her outfits. So you know, when Supergirl suits up in her in her in her jumpsuit, now that's okay. I'm a Batgirl fan too, by the way. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, some people are not big on that, but I am a Batgirl she, fan. Ruby Rose, Ruby Rose just walked away from the show though. They I, but she recast. just they got to recast that show, and I'm and, and I'm like, what what the heck is going on? I was two. What did she get in two seasons? I think she got in two seasons, she, right? She, I think she finished. Yeah, I think she got in two seasons, but but uh, she got injured. If you remember, she had yeah. uh, she had an injury doing a stunt. We're talking earlier, you know, about stunts and uh, and Chadwick, and I think the the takeaway was she just decided that the part was too dangerous and physically demanding. She 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 didn't want to risk getting hurt again because that the injury and I can't remember what the injury was, but it was it was pretty close to being really scary. Like she could have died. Like a like a real serious spine sort of neck. Yeah, it was like it was like if if you know if something had been two inches further closer, or if she had one second later, it was one of those deals. You might not have been able to walk again. And I think she just that that that'll freak a person out. Yeah, that'll it's interesting because that was complicated casting. It was interesting the way they, they they decided to go with that story. For you know, Ruby Rose is gay. Bat Girl was gay. Bat Woman was yeah. gay. Uh, in in in, uh, in that storyline, um, you know, which was a very particular choice to make. You you recast who you're going to recast yeah. with. It, it's not that Black Panther circumstance that we were talking about no. earlier in the show. It's not that. Right. You can you no. can recast that, and it'll be all right. Uh, but you know, uh, are you going to recast just the part, or are you going to recast uh, the way we're doing Batgirl? Yeah. You know, because they could do that too. They could recast the way they're doing Batgirl. Or they could go with like George Papard, you know, stepping in for Larry Hagman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got to be you got to be fifty to have any idea what the hell I'm talking about right now. True. <laughs> well, uh, the my favorite of these, and I know yours probably too, is still the Flash. I yeah. just I just love the love story on the Flash. Yeah. Uh, I, I you know Barry and Iris are it's just it's one of the great love stories in TV history, and uh, I absolutely can't believe how they just keep this this uh this collection of characters moving along and and just keep the storylines going uh it's it's really very encouraging it's now and it's this is the sixth season it's going into its seventh season soon and um you know hopefully once they get to start shooting again but anyway this was uh this was a really really fun season more so than i expected really took a, a little bit of a turn they got a great uh commentary on here with uh eric wallace who's one of the showrunners and producers and um, all of these have some stuff from uh, from Comic-Con and other fun extras. So, uh, you know, Comic-Con 2019, which feels like 10 years ago. So fun stuff. <laughs> fun stuff, that's, really. That's, Man. That's wild. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the Code, um, um, uh, that, that series, which I, which I watched a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, not much. This is a complete series. Um, uh, two or three seasons, I think it had. Uh, interesting series. Um, uh, these two brothers get involved in this sort of cover-up um, in, in the Australian they're, government. They're, 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 these, the, these are JAGs. They're, they're JAG uh, attorneys, right? Yeah. Is that the story here? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's sort of an interesting series that I, could, that, I, that I could have went on watching for a while. It's only two seasons. Did they put anything on that box set? Not much. Deleted scenes, gag reel. That's it. Ah, well, that's what you get. That's it. That's uh, it. 
when you know that. Is this the Will and Grace? Is this the nineteen ninety eight Will and Grace? No, uh, season this is three, the, or just the new Will and Grace. This is the revival. This okay. is the revival. Season three of the revival. Did you watch any of it? You know, uh, first couple of first couple of episodes of the new stuff that came back. It, it made me feel old. For one thing, Will and Grace. First Will and Grace. That's nineteen ninety eight, folks. That's twenty two years ago that it yeah. started. Um, uh, and uh, you know, look, a lot changes to people's bodies uh in, in in 20 plus years and everybody yeah. on that show got thicker yeah <laughs> and, and uh it started to make me feel kind of old so i tapped out yeah and i you know i i started to watch some of these and it just it kind of makes me sad on on, on a certain level um it, it revivals never quite worked for me i mean I, I remember i liked them when i was a kid you know it's like hey gilligan's island and then yeah. because they got back on the island again at the end and everybody was pissed off they had to come back with gilligan's island and the harlem globetrotters you know we had to do that <laughs> whole shtick which which was just so embarrassing and now they've turned the island into a resort and now it's gone the other direction like well look i want them to get off the island i didn't want them to go back and like turn it into a, a tourist attraction what are you doing yeah but nonetheless the the problem there is everybody's so much older and you kind yeah. of feel like they're they're trying too hard to reinvent and recapture something that that is gone and i feel a little bit the same with will and grace it doesn't have the same spark it feels like they're st like they're competing against themselves and that's a little unfortunate yeah exactly that's exactly the move that i took that i took from that brooklyn nine nine man uh uh season yep. seven again uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, all the way into the seventh season. If you were to ask me seven years, seven seasons ago, yeah, is this going to make it nine seasons? I'd tell you no. But you know what? There it is. Uh, uh, Andy Samberg. Uh, who would have thought that the kid coming off SNL, that kid coming yeah. off SNL, uh, would have been would be such a popular, popular fixture in this sort of goofy sitcom? Uh, it's it's it, it is a shock. I uh, I did not expect this show to ever be a big deal. Uh, but you know what? I mean, they put together a really really smart cast, particularly Andre Brower as counter Andre, uh, because, counter casting in there. See, that's the thing is that Andre Brower is such a heavy, right? He's such a he's he's the guy that you put in a show normally when you want to bring the drama. <laughs> and uh, right, because he just he's just so intense and he has that voice and. Uh, and here, some some smart person thought, you know what? Uh, if if uh, Leslie Nielsen could go from being a heavy to being a complete wacky comedy guy in all of those Naked Gun movies, why why not just put Andre Brower into into, into a show <laughs> like this and see what that does to the comedy mixture? And it, and it works, man. It really really works. Um, it, it, fantastic casting on their part, and smart of him, smart of him uh, yeah. to to say, you know, after all those years. Uh, you know, uh, on that cop show. Which cop show was he on? I forget. Uh, oh, but, it know. was uh, New York Undercover. Was New York it New York was, was one of the New York or, Undercover. Uh, one or, of the Law or, and or Orders, or no. maybe. Uh, no, no, no. It was. Uh, hold on, hold on. Gosh, they all get this. They, I get mixed up. I'm sure our listeners are screaming right now. It was. <laughs> no, it's. Um, or was it uh, 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 the, the 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 Barry Levinson thing? Right, Baltimore wasn't that. Oh the yeah, that's the homicide. Homicide, yeah. Life, on homicide the life on the street. Homicide life on the street. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, look, I mean, it's still a terrific, everybody else here, Dirk Blocker is great, Terry Crews is great, um, uh, Joel McKinnon, Miller is great, I mean, it's it, it's a really, really great collection, Melissa Fumero, I mean, it's it's a really terrific collection of, of actors, they got great cast chemistry out of it, and uh, they're a lot of fun to watch, a lot of fun to watch. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of, speaking of long-running cop shows, Law & Order SVU season... Wait for it. 21. 21. 
21. Man. It can drink. <laughs> you, know, you know, here's here's the thing that I most respect about this show because we've had people come and go on this show. They've you know they've they've dipped in and out and and you know not very few people have stuck with it from the very very beginning. But I'll tell you, um, I, I, it, notwithstanding Mariska, good yeah. for her because it's her show. She got to redefine one of the all time great feminist characters on in TV history. She owns this show at this point. It fully belongs to her, and uh, they pay her an outrageous amount of money. But good on Cube. Yeah. Good on Ice Cube, who said, um, and this reminds me of uh, of something that Ed McMahon said. Ice T. Ice T. I'm oh, sorry, not Cube. T. Thank you. Ice T. Uh, we, good we, on, got, we got our black hip hop guys mixed up. I got my get my ices mixed up. Uh, so so good on Ice T. For for doing the Ed McMahon thing, which is that Ed McMahon once said he, the great advice he got from his dad was um, never venture too far from the well. And he said, tonight's show is the well. Yeah. And it's like, good on you. And so T, who's really got like everything going. And I mean, it, when he went on this show, he was he still had a major recording career. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, but he said he clearly understood this is the well. Yeah. This show is where the money is. I cannot imagine after all the residuals and all the reruns and all the seasons, how insanely wealthy this show must have made him. Made, made him more money than he ever made than, than all, he had some big records, uh, Ice-T. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. I you made a few movies, too. Yeah, he ran around two or three movies well, uh, back in the early 90s. The guy that the, the guy who was scandalous for recording uh, yeah, the, the cop killer, killer uh, <laughs> wanted up, up playing cop for twenty one years is is pretty fantastic. Which I think so, is just irony among wonderful ironies. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's and there and, and, and there it is, man. Those guys. Uh, you know, but, I, but he uh, he and he and Mariska are uh, really pretty much the 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 last one standing on this show, and uh, they're doing a great job of it. I mean, it's you know he is. The nice thing is, and and again, this is a very formulaic show. But after 21 years, just watching some of these episodes, and I watch some of the reruns occasionally. But it's as formulaic as it is; they're still able to develop their characters. I mean, what he's doing here is he's sort of a, a seasoned old cop now. He was a really, really kind of rebellious. You know, he was the he was the the the, the guy that always wanted to go out and light everything up, and yeah. everybody's like, "All right, gotta kind of hold it back." And now he's the voice of wisdom on the show. It's really, it's really fascinating where they've taken his character, and he's become a really good actor. I'd love to, I'd love to. I don't want the show to end necessarily, but I'd love to see what he could do with a bigger acting career. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's just the the ridiculous thing is he can't afford to, he can't afford to do a movie. I know, I know, (laughs) true. Can't can't afford to miss an episode of this baby. They pay pay me three hundred thousand dollars an episode. Uh, so, so you know, I can't do that. Uh, makes so, all the sense in the world to me. Yeah, uh, Magnum, PI, Magnum PI season two, oh, the new Magnum wow. PI. You know, I, yeah, which and I, and you know, I look, I like that kid. Uh, yeah, he's plays, good. Jay Hernandez. Jay Hernandez, like him. Yeah, uh, made a wonderful movie with Kristen Dunst back in the day called Crazy Beautiful, and that's you know, yeah, him. He was just fantastic at that. He's not Magnum PI. No. Um, I don't know why this show had to be called Magnum PI. It's very successful, you know. It's so you know, the hell with me. Um, but if you take that kid, you make him a private detective. You, you set you, you set him up as a private detective anywhere, really, but Hawaii certainly. Okay, it's Hawaii. It's, it's still going to be a hit, it's still going to be a hit show yeah. um, uh, because you know it, it's it's 
because it would be a hit show. You call it Magnum P.I., I guess you get some buy-in. But in my bones, back when this started, I just thought the people who, who need to buy into the show need to be my age or older. But no, a younger audience, an audience, a good, solid generation younger than me bought into this show. And I guess that they came up watching Tom Selleck play Magnum uh, in reruns. That's the only thing that I can think of for you. Uh, uh, Tom and I, uh, you know, Tom for us was first run television. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't, but I guess this is this group of kids who came up watching it and, and rerun, and there they are. They're in for their Magnum PI. Well, as long as we're talking about resurrected shows, we also have a season two of The New Dynasty, which uh, simply doesn't work for me at all. Yeah, it's a, it's a CW thing. I, I, I just don't. I don't know. I know they re tried to resurrect Dallas, and then Larry Hagman died, and then they decided let's let's do a new. But you know what? Without John Forsythe, without uh, Joan Evans, Collins, without Joan Linda Collins, Evans, you know. I just it, the, they were larger than life, and there's nobody on here that's larger than life. I just don't know why they had to go back to this well. I don't get it. it and, and you know, also I think that perhaps thematically, Dallas Dynasty also back in the day, uh, Falcon Crest, uh, yeah, Flamingo Road. There was this, this whole run of these shows. Uh, yep. About these families that lived and the, the excess of whatever it happened to be, uh, you know, Dallas and, and Dynasty was the oil business, the Colorado oil business, the, the Texas oil business. Uh, 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 Falcon Crest was the wine business, you know. Yeah. Um, 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 and and, and for, to, to some, for whatever reason, in the middle of the late 80s, that was a very, very sort of interesting thing for ordinary people to engage in, to watch these people and, and, and how dastardly they were as in avarice, uh, how much avarice they engaged in. I guess a show like Succession is doing that yeah. uh, now, perhaps something like that. Um, but you'll, you'll, you'll notice that much more popular today are shows about regular everyday families. This, this is us. Um, uh, you know, all of those sort of sitcoms, the Thundermans. I think we got the Thundermans on the list here today. It's a sitcom uh, that's been running uh, yeah. seven yeah. or eight, uh, you know, four seasons now. And, um, and, and I don't know, I think that these shows um, about families engaged in, at least in terms of sort of networky sort of television, they just don't work the way they used to uh, some 30 odd years ago now. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. Um, you know, speaking of, we've got three other Paramount and CBS shows. They're all in their first seasons. And a couple of them have really, really good, have some pretty good, cast power in them. We've got uh, Why Women Kill in its first season with Lucy Liu. Uh, the Unicorn in its first season with Walton Goggins. And then Strange Angel in its first season. Tim, have you watched any of these? Uh, Why Women Kill? Yeah, that Lucy Liu show. I sure, I sure did uh, watch that series. The Wicked so Little there. Uh, it, it, I certainly enjoy it. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, so all of these went right past me. I haven't had the bandwidth to really pay much attention to any of them. Uh, and, and certainly Why Women Kill takes place in your neck of the woods in Pasadena. Yeah. Um, in, the, uh, in, 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 three different, in three different periods. In yeah. Like a couple of years ago, the 1980s and 1960s. Seems yeah. really, really ambitious. Yeah, it's a great, it's a gorgeous little anthology series, too. Jennifer Goodwin, really, really good in that series, too. Uh, and uh, all, those different decades, uh, they all in the same house, and they deal with the sort of uh, infidelity and betrayal going on. And that's why it answers the question: Why women kill? <laughs> it's going uh, it, to be, yeah. be really interesting to see where it goes in the in the, in future seasons. I mean, it well, feels I, to me like almost like an existential twist on Desperate Housewives. 
I, I, I do. I, I like these sort of anthologies where you have uh, these 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 shows, and the and the actors stay the same, but the characters change, and it's just an interesting sort of way to do something. Plus, it gives these actors really a fantastic. Uh, they can really stretch out, uh, and, yeah. and and uh, and do what they do. Um, I have a problem with uh, the unicorn. Have you seen the unicorn with Walton nope. Goggins? Don't know that one. Okay, so here's my problem. Uh, it's the same problem that I have with uh, the Deadpool films, which I mostly like, but there's one thing that really bothers me in the Deadpool movies, and that is that every single time someone addresses the lead character, I go, what? Because his <laughs> name is Wade. I, I don't I don't like I don't like hearing my name on the screen. Uh, I, 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 I completely missed that. Walton Goggins in this movie is, is named Wade. I can't watch an episode. It's like, well, hey, Wade. I'm like, what? Oh. Hmm. And it's just really, really irritating to me. Um, I, I do remember it. the show. This is the he's, he's playing the widower. Yeah, yeah. He's that's, lost his wife. And yeah, yeah. I, of, I agree. You know, yeah. It, it feel, it's, like, it's like 30-something with tragedy, kind of, uh, or 40-something with tragedy. Anyway. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's what it means to, to lose your spouse and then be single again and and then it has a lot of really, really sweet, happy family life. And it, it, it's interesting. I don't know where a second season could necessarily go, but Goggins is always really, really interesting. Strange Angel um, is, a, is a hell of a show. I don't think I quite understand it. Uh, I watched about half the first season, and I'm uh, not the least bit sure where this is necessarily going. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of like... Uh, how do I even explain this without giving anything away? It it feels to me on some level like a cross between um, brr, how would I put this? Breaking Bad and mm. uh, the uh, the um, uh, Russell Crowe movie, Ron Howard, Run One Best Picture. Uh, oh, Beautiful Mind. Uh, beautiful beautiful mind. mind. Yeah, it feels like a cross between Breaking Bad and A Beautiful Mind. And I and I and I can't I won't I won't get into any of the the specifics of the story. This is an I I just want to know how this show was pitched because it's a really really out there kind of a premise called Strange Angel. Um, I, there's no one of note in the cast, but somehow uh, this made it to television, got through a first season. It, it I'd love to have been in the room when they cast this and tried to convince somebody to do this because it really is very very unusual. Uh, let's get into the Thundermans because um, there's a four season box set here from uh, from uh, Nickelodeon, and that's uh, another one I did. If you had asked yeah. me, yeah, yeah, how many uh, four seasons? Four seasons of the Thundermans, uh, which is which is kind of funny. You know, I watched it. You look, know, I don't know, two or three episodes of the first season. It was funny. Uh, it lives right in that um, old school Roseanne, old school. Um, Right, uh, family sitcom space, uh, you, you know that, that's that's been there for a thousand for a thousand years. It's 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 funny. It's a yeah it, with these goofy kids and yeah you know, and all that kind of stuff. But what are they? Superheroes. Yeah. You know, uh, superpowers. <laughs> you know, might be twins. Uh, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I I had fun with this goofy show. Um. Uh. Last Man Standing is is now guessing what year. Guess what season oh it's in? Oh my god, it's gonna be it's gonna be some number way higher than I think. To me, it would be season three, but what is it? Yeah, eight. Eight, get out of here. Eight. Now this show was canceled. Remember, they yeah. they canceled it, and then uh, all the fans said, you know, this is uh, 
this is, you know, uh, uh, liberal executives waging war on the conservative audience, and he's a working class hero, and we want this show on TV. And it, and the show came back. Yeah, um, which is you know, they made it interesting thing. It's got a following, and uh, eight season. Uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, Twenty one episodes on three discs. I don't find the show particularly charming. I still like him. I like uh, Tim, Tim Allen, who, of course, you know, is a tool time guy for many, many years. Yeah, but this is still basically that same, uh, still home improvement. <laughs> it yeah, really is. You know, kind of the same show. I, I, I don't suppose that Tim was demonstrably conservative or liberal on that tool time show. And of course, no, had, he was not. You had, here, you had, here, here, this true. guy is, he's, he's being this guy. He's um, a kind of, he's a more likable Archie Bunker. Yeah, he is is what he is. Yeah, he's not he's not he's not a bigot. He's just a he's just you know he is what he is. Uh, he's it's kind of he's kind of he's, he, he's kind of Tim Allen. Is he's, he is. he's Tim Allen. That's exactly what he did. He's, he's doing himself again. Of course he is. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's uh, it's mostly gender humor. You know, him and, and the, with the women in his life, the daughter and the wife and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, that that's mostly where the where the comedy comes from. But um, you know what? I mean, uh, it, it has a, uh, it's got some good supporting performances. Some supporting oh, Nancy, Nancy, and... Nancy Travis is in this series. Dude. Nancy, you're three minutes. I, mean, I know. I, I love me some Nancy Travis. So, I, you know, it's okay. Uh, she's they can still have, great. Uh, she just absolutely is. Absolutely. Is. Uh, what, uh, Endeavor, um, the British series. I, I, oh I, yeah. Among, among the many British series, uh, uh there, um, uh, what season is this that they are? Cause I, I absolutely love Endeavor. Which is set in the yeah. 60s, which is one of the reasons why I love it. Endeavor, Endeavor, uh, uh, Detective Morris it's in the sixties. Everything's so Endeavor. Pop. Endeavor's one of a number of uh, of British shows we've got. We've got this week. Uh, this is on Blu-ray, masterpiece, mystery. Endeavor in its seventh season. Seventh um, season. Wow. Seventh season on Blu-ray looks looks really nice. You know, British stuff didn't used to look this nice before, but they they really shoot the hell out of this show, and it captures the period really really nicely. Um, yeah, they got bonus video on here, featurettes. Uh, one of which is all about recreating that look in the of the of the period. Now it's in the 1970s, um, but yeah, it's you know it's a it's a it's a pretty great show. Some great style. These guys are such good actors. Yes, like especially Ro Roger Allen is such a great period kind of face. Isn't yeah, he? yeah, uh, exactly. And these you're, you're, that's exactly what it is. These guys are just all such wonderful actors, and the writing is always so good. Uh, you know the drama, these gorgeous settings. I just love that they can still re uh, recreate these sort of British period settings um, in the UK. You know, uh, you you can yeah. still get these. You still have places that look like these places, and they can do these sets. And uh, it's like you're watching some show uh, from the '60s in the UK, as opposed to a show set in the '60s in the UK. Uh, yeah. which is just a completely uh, different thing. Did Water Fell? Um, if I'm not mistaken, that's another yep. one of those. Those, those uh, yep. the family is murdered it, by someone they knew. It's just heavy, heavy, heavy stuff, man. Yep, we got we got a, we got a couple acorns here. Deadwater Fell is the one on Blu-ray with uh, David, the always David amazing Tenet. David Tennant. I mean, and I still think back, I, and I and I realize now, much as I love that first season of Jessica Jones, mm -hmm. you know what I really love about it? I hate to admit it. I hate to admit it, but David Tennant makes that whole first season. Yeah, he is such a wicked villain. Absolutely and, menacing, uh, particularly after playing uh, I forget which number doctor he was, but you know playing that do playing that Doctor Who was such an affable fellow. That villain and Jessica yeah. Jones was just uh, absolutely viciously wicked. 
Well, uh, here he plays a physician married to a school teacher who, um, uh, you know, in Scotland, and uh, it, it, after their they get burned out of their home by a fire. Um, that leads to this really, really interesting mystery, and it uh, it's pretty great. Uh, Kush Jumbo, who has one of the greatest names in British television, uh, she co she co stars. It's uh, it's it's really great. But I mean, you're you're watching this just again for these great actors. Um, also from Acorn, not on Blu-ray but on DVD, is Dead Still, which um, was not on my radar. Were you, have you heard of Dead Still? Don't know that one either. Dead Still is it one of the British series? It's a British show. It's Victorian era. It's a British show. It's Victorian era, and uh, it stars Michael Smiley, another great British name, um, who um, is basically his. He he lives in. He's a. It's Victorian Ireland. And his job is to take, uh, what do they call them, the photographs of dead people. Whatever yeah. they, there was a special word for it, right? And um, uh, that, uh, you know, I should tell you right there, you're not going to have a happy comedy about people who photograph dead people. And then <laughs> it just doesn't. And, um, you know, all of this is to sort of help people deal with the grieving process and then uh, enter a bunch of real-life murders. And you got to, you know, and then a detective played by uh, Aidan O'Hare and now the photographer is dragged into the uh, the process of having to kind of solve the murders that are putting his his profession and his reputation uh, at risk. It's um it's pretty great. It's pretty great. Uh, shot entirely in and around Dublin, and but you know Victorian era Dublin. It's really it's a it's a really really smart show. Dead still, really really fun. The whole idea photography, the way for photography, you know, old fashioned uh, Victorian era photography with the big box cameras. Is, yeah, you got to really get under that. I think they call it post-mortem yeah. photography or something like it, that. Um, it's uh, something like that, but it's a, it's really, really cool. It's really interesting. Uh, amazing. Uh, the Neighborhood um, just perfectly uh, uh, if, look, this is, about, this is about a white family that moves in next to a black family. Cedric the Entertainer, Max Green. And, you know, all the jokes center around uh, Cedric the Entertaining being kind of uh, perplimped uh, th this goofy white dude <laughs> who's trying real hard to be woke has moved in next door. This is, um, this is the Jeffersons. This is Joyce yeah. Jefferson living across the street from Archie Bunker, or perhaps better, this is George Jefferson living across the hall. Uh, from yes. that, from that, from that, what, Mr. Bentley, from Mr. Mr. Bentley. Bentley. <laughs> yes. Are you kidding me? This is, you know, this is, this is again, they're rating our childhood sitcoms. So, and, and but it's in the mid, set in the Midwest, and it's just, uh, it, they, they moved to this LA network, and it's just, I don't know, whatever. So it's th funny. This is, first of all, Cedric the Entertainer always kills me because it's just the way he uses his face. Yeah. Is masterful. But but I love the premise here because the premise is what the British would say it takes the piss out of you. Mm -hmm. It just lets a little bit of the air out of our overly self-important moment, which is at times just too stifling for most people. Yeah. Um, this reminds me, actually, I, I, I never talked to you about this, but it absolutely killed me. So there was a thing circulating on social media at one point. And I swear, that, dude, the guy was the spitting image of you. He looked <laughs> just like you, exactly you. It was, it was, this, it was a black guy and a black girl. Who did? They did a little social media thing because they were at the college somewhere, uh -huh. and and they're and they're about 150 meters from a Black Lives Matter demonstration at a statue, and he's look he's doing this and they're laughing, 
because there's not a single black person in the crowd. Like the black person in the crowd is 100% white people. And he, and he goes, this is ridiculous. This is just the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Like they are laughing. And that's exactly, and that's kind of what this show does. This yeah. show just sort of, it just, it calls out some of the, some of the more self-seriousness of the moment. And, uh, and, and God bless them for that. It's, it's kind of needed sometimes. Oh yeah. It's, but you know, it's not remotely mean in any way. Whatsoever. No. I just it, fucking love that nothing, about it. It manages nothing. to make fun of it without being mean about any of it. Yeah. Uh, which I just love. Bull, um, uh, that TV oh, series yeah. Bull, uh, with, 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 uh, with Michael Weatherly. Uh, isn't, isn't, isn't he in trouble? Isn't he in trouble now? Hasn't there was, he gotten in trouble for being a jerk on the set or something? Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really sort of because you know, Michael Weatherly is a guy. Is one of those guys where uh, you know, if you were watching television all through you know the, the middle late nineties, uh, early two thousands, you you saw Michael Weatherly hundreds and hundreds of times. He was a guy who yep. was just a fixture and all kinds of you know guest star here, guest star there. But this is he gets this shot at this lead at this you know at this lead in the show. And you know, uh, what is this? What is the season here? I think we're in the second, third season, something like that. Season uh, four, man. Season four. Well, because they go back so fast. I know. In, 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 I know. In the case, and then, and then, yeah, you, you know, he has himself one of these moments uh, where it, it turns out that he's a dick, kind of like Ellen's situation over there. You know, yeah. what they're talking about over there on the old Ellen set. Uh, yeah. And and of course, a lot of it just has to do with who they are and how we perceive them. And then somebody turns around and says, "Yeah, you know what? Man, maybe kind of a dick." we'll see how that shakes out uh, nevertheless this show I watched it a little bit it's about it's, it's about uh, one of those jury psychologist guys um, yeah. um, who you know sort of a, 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 and you know uh, interesting to a certain extent and that he's not a lawyer he's not a private detective that's of course usually where these shows live uh, but to make him one of those jury consultant types that's a new angle uh, yep. at the end of the day it's still a courtroom drama no different True. than L.A. Law, no different than Alec McNeil, no different than any courtroom drama you ever watched, all the way back to Owen Marshall and Terry Mitchell. That's yep. all it is. But, you know, it's a it's a different angle on it, so I give them credit for that. We've got a couple from Sundance Now, which is doing a lot of really interesting work. They've really flipped things over there at Sundance Now. It's uh, You can get a free 30-day trial uh, with, with some codes that you get on some of these discs. Um, but... You know, I mean, I don't know if it's worth it for the, you know, as a pay service, but boy, some of this, for some people, it's going to be. Um, they've got the Red Shadows, which is this really terrific series from France um, that's set in 1993, and deal. It's it. There's a uh, well, it starts in 1993. A little girl is kidnapped, and then you flash forward to to you know 25 days more or less to the relatively recent history, and. Um, you you pick up the cold case and mm -hmm. and it's it's where that all kind of devolves um it's utterly utterly fascinating unexpected writing uh i, I it, it, in th in theory you would say that this is a thriller but i i think it's more than a thriller i think it's it's almost like what was the jane campion show uh uh, top of the oh, mm, gosh, top yeah. of the top, yeah, the 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 Australian yeah. thing that's kind of like the Australian Ozark. Um, anyway, really, really, or, the, or, or was it is it New Zealand? Is it is it New Zealand show? Whichever it is, uh, top of the top of the mountain, top of the peak, top of the hill, whatever the the Jane Campion thing is. Anyway, it's a little bit like that, uh, except a French version of it. Uh, beautiful environment, you know, beautiful kind of pastoral uh, locations. And it goes to some pretty intense dark places. The other uh, Sundance Now series 
is uh is in its end of its season one. It's coming back with a second season. Uh, playing for keeps. Mm. Uh, which is a murder mystery set uh so set against the backdrop of uh Australian rules football, which is you know like like rugby for crazy people, and rugby is like <laughs> football for crazy people. So Australian rules uh, football is pretty insane, but um, it uses that as a backdrop for this uh, this really really fascinating uh, kind of murder mystery uh, intrigue and uh, great show, really really smart. So that's another great one from Sundance Now. Uh, outstanding, outstanding. Uh, the Resident, uh, another doctor show. Um, uh, you know, a group of doctors actually at a hospital, and you have this uh, the, the central figure who's one of these guys who's who's uh, gonna try to do things a different way. Um, uh, what, what 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 season do we have here? We have the third season. Third, third uh, season of the Resident. Of the Resident. Watch watch yeah. a few episodes of season one. You know. Um, a, a pretty good show. It lives in the spots of all of these shows. To me, uh, again, having been watching these for a very little, this reminded me of the very old Chad Effort series, Medical Son. Oh, yeah, it does. It does a little bit. You're right. You know, you got to be from a certain yeah. year and you remember that one, but it was, it was back around the same time as Dr. Wells with, and all of that. With, with Bruce Greenwood kind of playing the Chad Everett part. Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. And Greenwood's great, but it is it is definitely that for sure. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's I, what I, I like to see Malcolm Jamal Warner here too, as well. It's, it's yeah. nice to see him kind of grow up because he got stuck in the, in the Cosby show rut for, for a while and, uh, couldn't sort of dig himself out. Um, yeah, no, there's some great stuff. Manish Dayal is really, really good on the show. Um, it's, it's a, we'll see where that goes. It, it's got to navigate an interesting space between Grey's Anatomy and ER, you know, in terms yeah. of reputation. Yeah. Uh, we got, a, we got an original series from Shudder here called, uh, Cursed Films. Which is um, all about the, uh, the the unfortunate stories behind a lot of horror films, Poltergeist, The Omen, The Crow, which we all know, obviously Jason Jason oh, Williams yeah. died on Twilight Zone, the movie, a horrible, horrible accident where Vic Morrow died with those children, uh, The Exorcist. Um, this is uh, I I it, it, it it's a it's almost too much in many respects as I remember a lot of this, but some of the stuff I don't think I ever actually knew about, like the stuff that went on on the set of Poltergeist news to me. So, um, so the, little, this, the, I, the, the little girl from the Poltergeist is the one who, uh, you know, they, they're here, that little girl. Yeah. She, yeah. She, we lost she, some sort of disease or something, if I'm not mistaken. Well, this gets into this. Yeah. This gets into, uh, allegedly using actual human skeletons on the, on the set of the movie. Um, a lot, of, a lot of weird stuff, and and again, a lot of this is legend and lore, and they're they're trying to build a series out of it, and it's, it's some of the some of the some of this is stronger than the others. Uh, you know, the Omen and the Exorcist stuff is a little bit of a reach. Poltergeist is interesting, but ultimately, when you get to the Crow and Twilight Zone, the movie it gets a little horrific, so it's a little tough to to deal with the revisiting some of that. Nonetheless, yeah. audio commentary for all five episodes. Uh, it is a series called Cursed Films, original series for Shudder. Mm, man, man, uh, morbid. Uh, in, in, yeah, in, a little indeed, bit. Uh, I would say, Young Sheldon. You know, um, uh, I, I guess, I guess that series. Um, uh, what was the big, the big, the Big Bang series? Yeah, uh, ended uh, a season or so ago, or a year or so ago. Um, uh, and uh, Young Sheldon kind of crossed over with with it for a season or two. Uh, and Young Sheldon is kind of picking up right where it left off. Uh, people love Young Sheldon. Um, and uh, in, in a weird way, because I don't. 
Yeah, we're, I think he's we're, annoying. I was that I was not, crazy. I was not a particularly big fan of the Big Bang series, to be honest with you. I didn't, you know, that that's not a sitcom that I follow much. My mom liked it though. Uh so you know, but here it is. Chuck Lorre um uh, edited again out of the Big Bang series. Here's uh, young Sheldon. He he has a magic touch. Uh this show to me uh, is like someone made the pitch, let's do the wonder years, except instead of having him be really sweet and adorable. Will have him be really precocious and irritating. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. I don't know who wants to watch that, but okay, sure, whatever. Uh, um, got two more British shows here from Acorn. Uh, kind of diametric opposites of each other, but what great casts! Gold Digger is uh, another really cool thrillery series with Julia Ormond on it, who just, uh, you know, she's older, but she's still just. Wonderful. I just still absolutely adore Julia Ormond. She's not the, the you know Legends of the Fall Julia Ormond anymore, but she's great. Yeah. Um, she's really really great. Here she co-stars with Ben Barnes, who's a real star in the making. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him be in the running to play James Bond one day. Maybe mm. not yet. You know, give it about ten years, but he could do it. Uh, so anyway, she's uh, you know she's having a bit of a midlife crisis. Uh, her husband you know had an affair. And uh, she's really dis disenfranchised from her family, and she meets this young guy who makes her feel young again. And uh, but does he really? Is he really into her? Is he into her money? Sounds uh, like a kind of a traditional thing, like the usual thrillery thing, but not really. But uh, there's some there's some other angles to it, and the two actors are terrific. And then um, from uh, the people who gave us Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries is Sea Change, mm. Paradise Reclaimed. Um, which is kind of like if life if if Lifetime actually made more sophisticated stuff uh, with an Australian cast, it would be this. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, it has a real it has a real kind of an Aussie down under flavor to it. It's a little bit bitter, but it's a little bit funny. Uh, it, you know, there's just a unique sensibility to those Aussie shows, and um, this is similar. This is about a woman whose marriage busted up and she's lost her job. So she goes home to where she came from, hasn't been back in decades. And it's about, you know, how the town has changed and how she's able to sort of reinvent her life. It's, it's another one. It's, it is like gold digger. It is a, it is a midlife crisis thing, but not a thriller. It's a little more sentimental. So uh, those are two interesting ones from acorn TV. Mm. A murder in the Bayou, that five part docuseries uh, dude is absolutely chilling. Uh, so it's a five-part docu-series um, that investigates unsolved murders of eight women in and around the town of Jennings, Louisiana. Oh, holy cow! Uh, and you know, it's sort of it's sort of like roams through the, this this entire history of the of these the, the, the death of these of these eight women, uh, with all of these people talking to reporters and these documentary investigators. Uh, and it, so, it, to me. Uh, it's not as goofy as that whole Tiger King thing that was all the, you know. Yeah, that's, uh, too, that's too much. But it's, anyway, it's, it's based on a, a best-selling book that investigated this, uh, uh, the exact same murders of the women whose bodies were discovered uh, in these drainage canals and these desolate sort of back roads of Jennings, Louisiana. Uh, and it looks at their lives, and we get to know them. And, uh, man, um, uh, accusations of... The victims' relatives, uh, all kinds of possibilities for who might have committed these horrible, horrible crimes. Because there's so many terrible people uh, yeah. involved in all of this uh, that you that you that you wonder that anyway, uh, a hell of a docu series, um, uh, murder in the Bayou. 
So if people want to go a little deep for some classic TV, I'm going to give you a couple here. Uh, the uh, there's the Gunsmoke. The Gunsmoke is out in a complete series now, so we don't have to wait for that anymore. But there's also the Gunsmoke movie collection. And, yeah. Uh, these are these are the three Gunsmoke movies. Two of them rated R, by the way. Two of them rated R because uh, they're that violent. Um, Return to Dodge, The Last Apache, and To the Last Man. Um, all of them pretty pretty true to the the spirit of the thing james arness really getting back in the saddle and uh um i i you know i'd forgotten these even existed but good good on them for getting them out in a nice uh, dvd set it would be better in a blu-ray set but for now we'll take it and then uh the emmy award-winning miniseries the temptations oh, uh, directed yeah. by alan arkish which i still think is should have been a feature film it's that good. It is. Uh, it is absolutely phenomenal. It is one of the best. This is better than most music bios that get theatrically released, like you know Bohemian Rhapsody and and whatnot. Uh, the Temptations is absolutely great. It is terrific, and it give it manages to balance every single one of those characters and give them a voice and ample screen time. Oh, and, and very so, impressive. So 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 so. Uh, look, a couple of brothers got made out of this series. You got DB Wood yeah, died. Uh, playing Melvin Franklin, you got Leon, who always only yeah. went by the one name. Oh. Oh, <laughs> playing David Rush, playing David he, Rush. Leon graduated from that from the Madonna music video. Yeah, where he's played, just, played, he's just standing played, there played, played, played Black Jesus. Uh, yeah. uh, and uh, and uh, and I figured I think he he was also in that uh, Robert Townsend film. Yes, he was. Um, that wasn't about the, was not about the Temptations, but everybody always thought of it as being the the five heartbeats. The five heartbeats. That's five heartbeats. Yeah. Now yeah. he is, which is kind of about the temptations, but man, is he good here? Uh, everybody is just great. They this this still you revisit this and you realize that this is how good television can be. Network television can do really really great work, and this is one of them. And, and good on Alan Arkish, uh, really just superb, absolutely superb. What else? We got a few things left uh, here. Jane the we, Virgin, uh, dude. Jane the Virgin. Oh yeah, fifth season. Did they, yeah. did they did they sign off already? They, they signed off uh, last season, if I'm not mistaken. I uh, is um, this the end of it? Is it over now? I think I think that Jane the Virgin signed off. Uh, yeah, last season. This 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 fifth season would be the last season of Jane the Virgin, a show that mm-hmm. I look. I I, I, I Gina Rodriguez, um, I, a per- perfectly captivating uh, young woman. Knew her from back in the day. She lives again in the neighborhood and down the street from our buddy Sherman Augustus, uh, uh, and Sherm uh, would help Gene uh, help Gene. Gina prepare uh, uh, oh, wow. no for auditioning for this role, and she went in and she nailed it, and she got it, and the, you know was, was fantastic, and really sort of made her career uh, uh, playing this this story about this devout Catholic woman who finds out that she got accidentally artificially inseminated, um, um, uh, and you know, it, it, which is sort of an outrage. It's a little bit of a stretch, <laughs> but, but if you can, pull, it's good for an actor if you can pull it off, right? Yeah, yeah you know, and this was another one of those shows where I think it was a big old hit in Latin America somewhere, like Ugly Betty was a big hit in Latin America, and then uh, tr- they translated it uh, to an American sort of, uh, you know, Latin American audience, uh, an American Latin audience. Uh, so good on her. Uh, five seasons of Jane the Virgin. We've also got a couple from Warner Brothers here. Uh, the uh, the complete final and seventh season of Strike Back from Cinemax. Strike Back, one last shot. Uh, I don't really understand why this managed to survive as long as it did, but, um, you know, I mean, it's a little bit like uh, Homeland meets, I don't know, the, the Americans? I don't know, something like that. Yeah. But... Um, 
anyway, you, this one this one deals with bioweapons and uh, you know Albanian mafia, and it it always felt like a little bit of a, a stretch to me. But you know, um, it, it, like like once you know all these shows that were sort of born out of the war on terror, and that includes Homeland, and that includes Twenty Four. Uh, all these shows that kind of came of age in that moment, and Strike Back. I think Strike Back is the one that feels the longest in the two. It just, I don't know. Call mm. me crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the third season of Tasmania, which is the animated Tasmanian Devil show. I mention this only because my daughter recently discovered Looney Tunes. Yeah. She was always resistant to it because they're not on Disney Plus, and she can only watch things that are on Disney Plus slowly she's expanding her horizons you know like right like right now the daily thing is she wants to know who all the x-men are and how old are they and <laughs> and, and, and 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 mind you obviously given the x-men films given that half of them take place now and have a, or, or recently and half of them take place you know 30 years before I, i'm saying well that's kind of complicated because you know, we'll look up how old are the actors. Well, honey, that doesn't really matter. Like Hugh Jackman's character was born in 1832, so <laughs> how, how old he is doesn't correspond. I can't have it anyway. But she she's also discovered Looney Tunes. She loves them. She's memorized all of Looney Tunes characters. I had to buy Looney Tunes books so she can look at the map of Bugs Bunny's house under under the ground and where he has his kitchen and his holes. It's it's nuts. And she loves Tasmanian Devil. <gasps> and. Uh, you know who doesn't? Taz is is fantastic. So they they gave Taz his own show. It's in its third season. It's not like classic Looney Tunes, but you know what? They really do find uh, a lot of fun things to do with Taz. Uh, you know, especially when it gets around Christmas. It's it's really fun stuff. Hotel Tasmania. Um, there's a lot of really fun, silly stuff in here, and uh, it is it's a good show for kids. The complete third season of Tasmania. Wow, Seal Team dude is into season three here. Isn't that crazy? Uh, it, it, this is what's crazy about this. So, so David Moneras, right? See, uh, yeah. The third season of Seal Team. David Moneras, like um, like Henry Winkler, and like and like uh, the guy that played MacGyver, um, yeah. are, 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 are these guys who are among the richest people in Hollywood on TV yeah. because of they've been on television for twenty five years. You first, well, yeah, you know, even before this, but you first started really paying attention to David Moneras in, in that series Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where he played Angel. Yep. From, and from, then he did Angel. And then he did the series Angel. Uh, and then and, he did Bones. And then he did Bones, which ran yeah. something like eight or nine seasons. Uh, it, it, you know, so he has been constantly on television for the last 20 plus yeah. years uh, in series in which he was either a co-lead or the lead of. And an executive producer of mm -hmm. this is these are the sort of careers. But you know, we think about the most powerful people. We we think about Shonda Rhimes. We think about Jay. You know, when we think about the most powerful people in Hollywood and television, no, it's the guy from Seal Team season three. I know. And Bones and Angel and Buffy the Vampire Slayer and that's the Henry Winkler. Henry yeah. Winkler is like an executive extraordinaire. That new MacGyver, that's him yeah. too. The old MacGyver, that's him too. Um, uh, all the way back to the Fonz and this guy. Anyway, SEAL Team, uh, third season, uh, and still going strong. Also got the Terror Infamy, the complete second season on AMC. Um, this is this is really really a very interesting show because it is a it's a horror anthology, but in this case, um, it 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 goes to the um, the internment camps, the Japanese internment camps mm. from World War II and uses that as its backdrop. And that's pretty gutsy because 
the the internment camps are their own bit of horror if you tell it straight to to do that you know it took a long time before people started doing anything legitimate with world war ii films like it's it's still right on the edge with the x-men movies the fact that magneto is a holocaust survivor mm, that's mm -hmm. like you're you're right on the edge there of trivializing the holocaust so you got to be very very careful and um, so that's what they do with Terror Infamy. They, uh, they, they take the internment camp scenario and they make that the backdrop for, for horror anthology. Um, Terminal Island, right here in Southern California. And um, it is, uh, it, it pretty much works. It pretty much works uh, because they're doing it in a really allegorical way. It is beautifully shot. George Takei is fantastic on this. Some might not realize that uh, George Takei also recently wrote a graphic novel mm. um, uh, about a lot of this uh, similar kind of stuff. So really, really terrific. The terror into me. George's family, of course, uh, was interned. Were interned. Yes, yeah, they were. were interned. Yep. Uh, yep. So it makes a big difference, though, when you have those sort of connections. To in it. fact, I think he was born. I think he was born in uh, in Manzanar. Wow. I, yeah, believe, yeah. I believe he was, yeah. Um, absolutely astounding stuff, man. Interesting. Uh, Idiomatic Season 1. This is also from Sundance Now. Um, this is okay. This is a... Um, it's a Finnish show. I didn't. It, this may be the first show from Finland that I think we've ever actually would talk about on the show. Mm. Um, I didn't realize they they have enough people or actors from the original <laughs> movies. I'm kidding. It's a joke. <laughs> Finland. It's cold. It's sparsely populated. It's a joke. They make some great movies there. The Cars Makis. Yes. You know, Finland. Uh, if you've ever seen Talvi Soda, Finland has some really great talent. So it's not a surprise that they would have a really interesting TV show. It's a little quirky though. Yeah. Uh, the Finns have a real quirky sense of humor. Some, when it works for me, it's like the Leningrad Cowboys, Finnish, you know, pop band that the Karsmaki, uh, Karsmaki, uh made movies about uh, some years ago. I saw them live at the Cannes Film Festival in the early '90s. Loved Leningrad Cowboys. Yeah. It, so there's a quirkiness to their their comedy that kind of translates here, but still, the show is a little bit um, quirky for me. Um, it's about a uh, you know a Laplander and a Swedish woman, and um, they basically are kind. It's sort of a an odd couple arrangement. Um, kind of, it's it, it's just quirky. It's just unusual people, and I think maybe if I understood the language a little better, and I wasn't reading the subtitles, it would, yeah. you know I might get the jokes. But anyway, give it a shot. Idiomatic season one from Sundance now. Uh, did you watch The Sinner? No, you know, I don't know that one. Oh, so Je Je Jessica Biel, Jessica Biel produces this. Oh yeah, uh, it's just finished season three. Bill Pullman and Matt Bomer, uh, and um, you know, I, I Bill Pullman really just kind of nails it. It's a uh, it's a cop show. You know, it's uh, Pullman plays a plays a detective, and he's you know trying to. Um, it's 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 just a New York cop thing. I can't I can't it it's it, a little bit real detective, a little yeah. tiny bit real detective. It's but see, um, season four I see here. Yeah, it's starting season four. It's really it's pretty moody and really well done. I'm very you know Jessica Biel kind of like, all right you know producing good yeah. good on you. Uh, it's you know it's just it's refreshing to me whenever I see an actress especially become a producer and say you know what I'm just going to produce. Why don't I just produce a cop thing with that's really muscular with two men? It's like, yeah. well, that's that 
that's great because normally the stereotype is, oh, she's going to do something for women. Yeah, you know, and look, like, no. no, 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 she, you know, she, particularly Jessica Biel, who's always been a yeah. bit of an action kind, uh, kind of, and it's, a, it's a, as I can see, this is a bit of a drama. But yeah, love to see yeah. that. Love to see that. It's really, it's really very interesting. So I'm really in- curious to see where they take it in the fourth season. Matt Bomer, of course, is great. I used to always hope that Matt Bomer would become Batman because he has such a great Bruce Wayne look to him. But you know, what I, you know, what I love most, TV, most about about Matt Bomer. Huh. No, I love most about Matt Bomer. Huh. He's from St. Louis. Oh, is he really? He's a St. Louis boy. I love my St. Louis. Him, John Hamm, Scott Bakula, uh, yeah, 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 Kathleen Turner. We sent a whole lot of them out in the eighties. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's great. Well, our last two here, uh, we've got uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin's uh, History Channel production of Washington, um, which is which is fine. Uh, it's too long. It's about five hours long. It, it uh, obviously wants to really give the story of Washington the complete Doris Kearns Goodwin scholarly presidential treatment. Um, it is uh, it is basically a documentary, a docudrama series. Um, uh, I just wish it had it had the panache of say, uh, you know, a uh, a Ken Burns kind of production. I wish it had that kind of energy to it. It doesn't necessarily. It's not bad. There's a lot of interesting voices on here. Clinton and Colin Powell, um, all kind of weigh in. Um, could be better. Should be better. Washington, mm. much more interesting figure than they really um, allow for, even in five hours. And the last one, Poetry in America, season two. Uh, which is wonderful. There, mm-hmm. the, America has such a great, rich history of poetry. Um, so many different communities, native and immigrant, in different periods and different regions to the country, and uh, it, it just you know you can you can really understand America and its history and its richness through its poetry. I, I, poetry I love I love I love I love some of the voices in this, including the ones you don't expect: Shaquille O'Neal, Bono. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, Nas, uh, Stephen Sondheim, Stephen Sondheim. Stephen Sondheim. You know, yeah. um, uh, and I don't, I, I don't know why. You know, Paul Gasol from the, I, I don't know. And, and just you know, Frank Gehry, Herbie Hancock, just uh, but but all of these voices uh, talking about poetry, uh, yeah. the poetry that influenced them, the poetry that they still can quote from heart, know by heart. Yeah. Uh, it's just you know, it's an amazing thing. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Now poetry is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I. I I, it's amazing whenever a great poem finds a new context. That's the thing that's always bracing to me is, is you know, a poem written, say, you know, three, four, five hundred years ago or 150 years ago that suddenly is meaningful all over again. It's it's the, the commonality of the human experience. We learn from that thing. It's, it's a beautiful thing. All right, Tim, that's it. We're, oh, uh, we're good. That was um, fun. That was, that was a fun one, Wade. Yeah. Talking about all that, all that TV of your good, good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, so remember all you know, gods at digigods.com, gods at cindygods.com. We'll catch you guys uh, in a week or two.